When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We have liftoff, not the way we expected or wanted back before we'd heard of COVID-19, but we have baseball ready to go on July 24th, the anniversary of the Veritech A-Rod brawl. How perfect is that? What'll it all look like? How's it going to go? Who the hell knows? But at least we have a season and we get to flip a time-worn cliche on its head. It's a sprint, not a marathon, as it turns out. Josh Lewin with you. Welcome to Red Sox Beat here at CLNS. This is episode 261, the career Red Sox batting average of the great Bernie Carbo. And I, you know, I I like having some fun with matching the episode numbers with Red Sox stuff. I I did that today just because bringing up the name Bernie Carbo just from out of nowhere, it, it reminds you of why baseball is so awesome. There's stories about everybody. We're going to get into Joe Castiglione's mind Later in the broadcast, speaking of which, you talk about a guy with stories, but Bernie Carbo, man, uh, sold to the Indians in 78, right? Prompted the one-game walkout by the spaceman, Bill Lee. But yeah, career 261 Red Sox hitter. Had the two pinch hit home runs in the 75 World Series. The stuffed monkey, mighty Joe Young, very well known. Uh, we, we We could do a whole podcast on Bernie Carbo. The point is we now have actual baseball to talk about again, and it is a thrill. We need some comfort food, right? We got some. Hey, by the way, kudos to you guys who have been hanging out, figuring out what else to do. No shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, Bet Online Sports. As we're all kind of making our way back here, UFC, NASCAR, soccer got out in front of baseball, and we could do another podcast on that, why baseball dropped the ball. But... We're talking bet online right now with all the best odds and lines for the upcoming things this weekend, like soccer. They've got simulated stuff that might be of interest to you as well. And if you're looking for something other than sports, bet online has hundreds of live casino games and poker tournaments, all the best props in the business. So go to betonline.ag, use your mobile device, join now to receive your new welcome bonus. Start playing today. Bet online, your online sports book experts. So, Red Sox players have been returning to Boston the last few days, and most of them scheduled for COVID-19 tests midweek. The first workout is going to be Friday at Fenway. Let's do a little organization of all this here. Teams can draw from a 60-player pool. That'll be the the rule this year. And the Sox right now aren't even at 50. They're going to add several as they go here, including a guy like Jonathan Lucroy. They're just redoing his contract. But for now... Yeah, teams are leaving spots open to just kind of retain that ability to add as they see fit. Uh, You've got waiver claims for agency before the season starts officially on July 23rd. Sox will use Fenway as their primary training site. Some players will go out to Boston College to work out too, social distancing and all. And at some point before the season, players taken off the, the actual big camp roster, they can go work out at McCoy Stadium in Pawtucket. So, We're looking at the initial roster of the Red Sox. The only healthy players not included, really, were uh, Johan Ibar and the outfielder Marcus Wilson. All the other 40-man guys are around. 
utility guys like uh, Yairo Munoz, the former Cardinal, is part of the group. Uh, you look at guys like Colton Brewer and Josh Osich. I mean, just names we're going to have to know this year. We got used to, to the Colton Brewer experience last year. Now guys like Osich and Chris Mazza, Jeffrey Springs. We only have a few weeks to get to know who these people are. Teams will have 30 players for the first two weeks, 28 for two weeks after that. Then it gets shaved down to 26. You know, a chance to see a Bobby Dahlbeck this year I think will be great. Uh, you know, he's a 40-man guy, and, and he might very well make his big league debut this year. Let's walk you through the roster as we have it. 24 pitchers right now. We know about Evaldi and Martin Perez and Eduardo Rodriguez. Those are really the only three true starters that were obvious from word go, and they're going to be relied on a lot. But beyond that, I mean, kind of mixing and matching in out of the bullpen, Matt Barnes, Brandon Workman, Darwin and Hernandez, Josh Taylor, Ryan Brazier, Marcus Walden, Heath Hembry is still around. Ryan Weber could be an important piece, kind of that uh, chess piece that can go backwards and forwards for you. Colin McHugh, if he's healthy, that could be a good add in that regard as well. I think in a normal season, that's just your bullpen, anchored by Barnes and Workman with uh, Taylor and Hernandez as your setup guys. Uh, McHugh as a hybrid starter, I think, is a really important add. No question about it. You've got extra arms, too, like Colton Brewer. Brian Johnson's still around. Austin Bryce is here. Matt Hall, Kyle Hart. Mentioned Mazza and Osich. Mike Schworn is still around, and hopefully he's gotten a little better. Uh, Jeffrey Springs, the former Met prospect. Domingo Tapia, Phillips Valdez. So that's the group where expanded roster kind of comes into play because in a normal season, you might see a couple of those arms called up, especially with High and Bloom, now the GM, running people up and down like he did with Tampa Bay and Durham for all those years. Uh, catchers, by the way, that's going to be an important depth position. Of course, it's Christian Vasquez. You've got Kevin Ploiecki, eventually Lou Croy, you figure. Right now, Jet Bandy, Juan Centeno, and the prospect Connor Wong. So in theory, you could have half a dozen catchers running around here. And that's important, too. Bandy and Centeno, they were in big league spring training. They were kind of obvious additions. I think Wong's presence on the roster is notable. The part of the, the Mookie Betts-David Price trade with the Dodgers. He's still in development, as they say, but he's a, a talented kid. Infielders, you know who the starters are, right? Moreland at first, and it uh, looks like Jose Peraza at second. Xander Bogarts at short, Devers at third. That left side of the infield is awesome. Depth pieces, Michael Chavis, of course. Marco Hernandez is still around. Zue Lin is still around. Mentioned Jairo Munoz, Jonathan Arauz. Got to learn how to pronounce and spell that one. C.J. Chatham, we mentioned Dahlbeck. Uh, Chavis could split some time at first with Moreland, work into second base with Peraza. That's going to be interesting to see how they sort all that out. Outfield, you know the starters. It's Benintendi, Bradley, Alex Verdugo, who has said he's fully recovered from the back injury. Of course, he pretty much missed all his spring training because of that thing. You've got Kevin Pillar in as well. J.D. Martinez, technically listed as an outfielder. Cesar Pueyo is around, a longtime AAA kind of guy, bounces around everywhere. John Andrioli, a native New Englander. And, yeah, Martinez will obviously DH most days. Uh, there's no reason he can't play all 60 games this year. We should point out guys like Jeter Downs, Brian Mata, Tanner Houck, uh, Jaron Duran, Jay Groom, Josh Akami. I mean, th those guys could be added. I mean, there's no reason they can't be because there are still 13 spots available right now. A couple guys to keep an eye on that have no major league experience, but you might see at some point. Kyle Hart 
This kid's got a really good slider at a 3.13 ERA in uh, 77 minor league games into this year. Of course, Bobby Dahlbeck, you guys have probably heard about him, 25th birthday Monday, so he's not exactly uh, you know, 21 or 22 here. I mean, it's about the time he should get going. Mike Trout was a two-time All-Star by the age of 25, for example. But right-handed slugger, I know he's not going to be Mike Trout, but 59 homers, 54 doubles the last two years, that's not bad, and he's the number two prospect in the system. C.J. Chatham is 25-2, was named the, the best pure hitter in the Red Sox system by uh, Jim Callis recently, MLB.com. Uh, they've got him ranked number 12 overall in the system. About a 300 hitter in the minors. I mean, that's mostly double A, a little bit of triple A. So there are some reasons to, to think that a lot of these kind of guys will get some time. But there's also reason to think that if everybody stays healthy, it's going to be guys like Jackie Bradley Jr. stepping out, right? Nate Evaldi stepping out. Mitch Moreland has got to step out. Those guys, because we're banking on Devers being Devers and Bogarts being Bogarts. Look, Bradley's one of the best center fielders in the game. Never a debate about how just completely platinum he is out there in the outfield. But he's a career 236 hitter, and he's 30 years old now. In a 60-game season, that well-documented streaky nature of Jackie Bradley Jr., maybe that helps him out. I mean, he had a 29-game hitting streak a few years ago. That's about a half of the year this year. So if he gets hot for just a month, I mean, that could make Jackie Bradley Jr. a very rich man in 2021. Nate Evaldi, I mean, a 60-game season would be perfect for a guy like Nate Evaldi with this long injury history that he's got. He looked like about the best pitcher out there in spring training before things shut down. And with no Chris Sale this year, Nate Evaldi, a very important piece for a short sprint here. And Mitch Moreland, he's a guy that looked around in free agency, decided to re-sign with the Red Sox, just a one-year deal kind of a show-me-what-you-still-got kind of thing. And he was huge at the start of last year. Remember that? He had 13 homers in April and May before the injury bug started to bite him. If he can stay healthy, and, and he shouldn't get worn down you know, with 60 games. We're not talking 162. We're talking 60. There, there's good and bad of a shortened season. We're going to get into that a little bit later on. After we remind you about the best way to drop that unwanted weight, Got one more thing to tell you here before we get cruising with Joe Castiglione, who does not need to lose weight. It's an amazing shape for a guy in his 70s. But when most people try to lose weight, they think exercise, which Joe does, by the way. And whether they actually start exercising or not, the results are normally kind of the same either way. So uh, it's more about nutrition, right? I'm sure you've heard that. With Awaken 180 weight loss, you get that customized nutrition plan, a weekly one-on-one -on -one coaching. That's the difference and the option to receive 80% of your daily foods to help you lose the weight your first week and each week after until you're down to what's ideal for you. You're going to be gaining the tools to know what and how to eat so you can keep the weight off for the long term. None of this on-again, off-again stuff. And as always, they provide you free support for life. It's worked for Cedric Maxwell and Scott Zolak and so many others. Maybe your turn to call now. It's the long-term solution for weight loss and the official weight loss program of the Red Sox. Just check them out online. Don't even have to call. Just go online right now. Awaken180weightloss.online. Uh, excuse me. Uh, online is awaken180weightloss.com. Don't say dot online. That's that's silly. Uh, obviously, you know it's a dot com. Awaken180weightloss.com. There. That's why I make the big bucks doing podcast reads. All right. So before we get to Joe, 
the good and the bad of a short season that I mentioned. Let, let's start with the good. I'm going to try to keep this on an upbeat here. You've got, and I'm talking about across the board, not just for the Red Sox, but the, the de-emphasis of traditional starting pitching, that was kind of in play anyway. If you know how to do that, you don't have to have your starters stretched way out this year, not the first, say, four weeks of the season. So if you know how to, to do the piggyback starter thing, if you can go three innings, four innings, and hodgepodge that together, and I think the Red Sox had the pieces to do that. I would look at as a good the fact that we're only not seeing Chris Sale for 12 starts, not 32. Kind of feels like a win. Same with Mookie, really. You know, I mean, it was 162 games of Where's Mookie. There's only two months of Where's Mookie. It's 60 games. You're also allowing the two newcomers here, and I know they won't replace a David Price and a Mookie Betts, but when Alex Verdugo and Colin McHugh get out there and start playing immediately, that's a good thing. We don't have to wait for them to, to come along. We probably would have had to do that if opening day was really on April 1st because they would not have been ready. The expanded rosters, 30 to start, right, then 28 players after two weeks. That allows the Sox to get some extended looks at some of these depth pieces. I'm excited about that. The Rule 5 pick, Jonathan Arauz, uh, is he capable of, of holding his spot right now? I, I guess we get to find out. And bottom line, this offense with Xander, Endeavors, J.D. Martinez, it's still strong enough to carry the team even if the pitching is not great. And considering how hitters are usually ahead of pitchers when things get going, it wouldn't be a surprise, especially since we're starting in warm weather, if there's this big offensive spike all across Major League Baseball. And if it's going to be an offensive league, uh, the Red Sox kind of have the ability to outscore everybody, even without Mookie around. That's the good stuff, in my opinion. There's bad stuff, too. Obviously, there's bad stuff in a pandemic. I'm looking at the schedule. It's tough. I mean, 32 out of 60 games are against teams that were in the playoffs last year, Yankees, Rays, Braves, and Nationals. And you're talking about 12 more games against the Mets and Phillies, who are very good. The only lousy teams are the Orioles and Marlins that, that you're playing here. Uh, you know, long-term, the universal implementation of the DH, that means J.D. Martinez could have a huge year. That opt-out might look more attractive to him. That's, to me, a bad thing if you're a Red Sox fan. Also, the fact that the 16-team playoff wasn't adopted, I think the Red Sox would have easily made a 16-team field. I don't know about the 10. They're going to have to hustle. 33-27 and 27 probably gets you in the, the playoffs this year. Are the Red Sox a 33-win team? I mean, a 31-win, 30-win team makes it. Uh, you know, you got to find a couple extra wins here somehow. So uh, one more bad one that I'll give you. If you were going to try to do the hodgepodge thing a lot, and High and Bloom, the new GM, remember in Tampa Bay, it was all about the shuttle between Tampa Bay and Durham all the time. Are you really going to be shuttling in and out? We're not in a bubble. This is not the NBA. Do you really want to bring more bodies in and complicate things? I mean, that could be a catastrophe. Uh, to me, the fewer bodies around, the better. I don't know if High and Bloom is going to get to do his High and Bloom thing fully in 2020. Might have to wait for 2021 on that. So that's my take of what's good and what's bad as we get set to finally hit the start button. It's not even the restart button. To me, it's just the start button. But Joe Castiglione ready for his 38th year with the Red Sox. And he has been very eager, I would imagine, to get things started. You know, I'm just thinking off the top of my head, let's get it started was one of the big anthems of 2004. Black Eyed Peas, that was a very popular song and what ended up being a very popular year for the Red Sox. So as we all sit around thinking about 
Let's get things started. I love bringing on Josie to just talk a little baseball right now. The sound quality won't be great. We recorded it over the phone. We're, we're not next to each other right now, so I think we're all going to have to get used to that for the next couple of months. A lot of interviews that would have sounded fine are not going to sound so great since we're not standing next to each other. But it's still Joe Castiglione. I hope you enjoy it. Well, as promised, the great Joe Castiglione in his 38th season in the Red Sox booth, only one of them was he saddled with me uh, as a cohort. And uh, congratulations, Joe, for surviving that. Congratulations for getting through the pandemic best you can. What have you and Jan been doing? Take me through it. <laughs> well, we had a lot of fun last year, biking and uh, kayaking and uh, Lake Union. But uh, as Jan and I have done a lot of biking, and uh, I take my granddaughter out for workouts because she's a softball player. Their season actually we've resumed before Major League Baseball does. Uh, they'll play their first game next week. So uh, we've tried to fill the time, but uh, there's a big void without baseball. And thankfully, virus permitting, we'll get it back soon. The biggest question I have for you, Joe, is when you go to Shaw's for strawberries, are you wearing a mask? I am indeed, for sure. I wear the gloves to go in. Uh, and Shaw's is wonderful. Uh, everybody wears a mask. You come out. And uh, they have uh, a receptacle where you can drop your used gloves as you return your carts. And they make it uh, so much easier. And uh, I've been doing all of our shopping by giving Jan a break from that with all the time I have. (laughs) I I can't tell you what a thrill it is to be talking Sean with you right now. It just just feels normal. You know, and and I think that's, you know, we've talked about it on the podcast here, Joe, just the return to a shred of normalcy, to just have a little bit of comfort food, I think, is so important. What's that going to look like for you and the rest of the broadcast crew? Where are you guys going to be broadcasting from? Well, as of now, but of course, everything is subject to change uh, with the virus and uh, conditions, but we will do every game from our booth at Fenway Park. We will do home games, of course, in the booth, and uh, away games we will do off a TV monitor. Uh, it could possibly be from the center field studio for the away games or it could be in the booth. That remains to be seen. But we'll be at Fenway Park for both and we'll not be traveling. I'm sure the Red Sox are, and all major league clubs are really restricting those who go on charter flights and are part of the team traveling party. For sure. So you've basically got 60 home games this year. You never have to file an expense report. That's kind of clutch. <laughs> Yeah, but all those drives through Boston traffic. <laughs> no, that's true. Well, you can, you can stay at the Hotel Commonwealth and uh, and, and see what happens from there. Yeah, that's the uh, open. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear that. Hey, what about some of the, the new on-field rules, Joe? How are you looking forward to, to kind of wading through all that? I mean, the, the runner at second base to start out in, in extra innings, uh, you know, the, the universal DH. What are your thoughts on that stuff? I think it's time for the universal DH. Uh, I think that's a good move. Uh, of course, the players have to be happy. It creates another job. Uh, I do like the three batter rule for relievers because sometimes those games just come to a halt when the managers bring in the, the lefty to face the lefty and one batter later the righty comes in to face the right-hand hitter. I have not been a big proponent of starting a runner at second base in the 10th inning. Um the long run, but I think for the short run, uh, for this season, they give it all that has happened and, uh, you know, still the threat of the virus 
uh, causing more havoc. I think it is a good idea because you're going to need all the arms you can get. Uh, I know they'll have two and a half to three weeks of training, but still, uh, you're not going to have very deep pitching performances. And I think, you know, a 17 or 18 inning game would really tax a pitching uh, staff. And while it may not be a permanent thing, I'll accept it for this year. You know, it dawns on me, Joe, in terms of your day-to-day prep. You, yes, you've had an extra three and a half months to, quote-unquote, get ready for a season. But once it gets going, you've seen that there's a pool of 60 players that not only the, the Red Sox will be able to dip into, but every opponent. So I know it's only nine opponents this year because of, of how they've got it uh, meted out here. You don't have to worry about prepping the Mariners this year or anything like that. But uh, what does that do in terms of your, your preparation, getting ready, for this new world order? Well, I think uh, preparation was well, for the Red Sox certainly was done in spring training. We did have um, maybe 15 games. I did nine of the broadcast. And, you know, we know our squad pretty well and nothing really has changed. Uh, you know, the, the challenge will be, uh, I think, uh, preparing for the Mets and uh, Washington clubs we haven't seen in recent days, but, you know, with the geographical proximity, uh, you do read a lot about them, and I don't think it'll be a great challenge. Uh, you know, I think for some, the challenge will be doing uh, games with no fans in the stands and no crowd reaction. Um, I think that will be a bit of an adjustment, although calling the actual play, I don't think will be, because, you know, as you know, Josh, when you do play-by-play, you're zoned in on following the ball as it leaves the pitcher's hand and the ball is put into play. You describe the action. I think you'll notice it more in the aftermath, the immediate aftermath, if somebody hits a home run. There's no crowd to let the, tell the story, and that will be the adjustment. Have you guys talked about piping in some, some ambient noise, or how do you think that's going to go? We have, and I understand Major League Baseball uh, – may do that uh, to all parts, whether, you know, it's the effects off TV, uh, but I think uh, it will happen, and I've talked to some sound experts uh, who feel, uh, they've heard it in uh, the uh, Korean games, and they think it works, uh, as long as it's not, you know, overdone. If it's, it's, if it's low with volume, then it may sound uh, authentic, uh, even though this, there is no uh, crowd there. But who knows, maybe if things do improve, and Sam Kennedy mentioned the possibility of having fans in the stands later in the season. So we'll see. But uh, I think the crowd noise would be okay. Joe, you mentioned the word authentic, and I'm intrigued by that because one of the things that makes your broadcast so enjoyable is that air of authenticity. You've talked to the players by the batting cage. You've rolled through the clubhouse and talked to the managers and the coaches. You're not going to be able to do that this year. Uh, playing off of something that happens in the stands. Well, there's nothing happening in the stands this year. So, you know, from that respect, and even just doing a game off a monitor, I don't know when the last time you've had to do that even is, but what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the last time I did off a monitor when I was uh, young and practicing and hoping to get to this point. So uh, hmm. I think uh, that will be uh, – Certainly an adjustment. It probably means more reading on the Internet. We will have, I would hope, access at least to the manager every day to uh, take the manager's show before the game. So that will give us some insight 
and we hope to be able to have players at least post-game uh, because we don't have to do it face-to-face. We have uh, remote microphones set up in or near the clubhouse. Uh, but you're not going to have the everyday banter. You're not going to have the time on the planes and uh, the buses and the hotels to do that. So I think there'll just be a lot more reading. And, you know, you will miss some things, too. you miss some of the personal anecdotes that just happen to come up because you're in their presence. So that will, I think, uh, make it a little bit more uh, difficult. But uh, to have baseball in any form is still wonderful after the drought we've had. No question about it. And not to be cynical about it, because I'm hoping it all goes off without a hitch, but I was saying on the podcast last week, having talked to Ken Singleton a little bit, you know, his concern, and, and the more I thought about it, I kind of agree, is every team, every team's got one knucklehead, right? I mean, and sometimes I got ten. All it takes is one guy to, to run afoul of these protocols and, and say, ah, you know, I'm going to have a bunch of friends over or I'm going to go to a bar. Uh, I mean, are you concerned at all about that, not just for the Red Sox, but in general, that, you know, it just takes one little slip-up and, and this whole thing might get compromised? Well, I certainly you see what's happened in Florida, at the beaches and Texas and bars and that type of thing. Uh, I would hope that uh, – all players would take on the responsibility, not only for themselves, but especially for their teammates to see uh, the, the damage that they can do that way. I think players will, for the most part, police themselves. Uh, there's always a danger that you'll have one or two who won't. Um, but I think if players are really prone to peer pressure, and I think uh, that will help you've been curtailed those type of activities. Uh, at least I would hope they would, and we won't get into any crisis situation. Hey, Joe, before you go, I want to have a little bit of fun with you here. It wouldn't be a conversation with you if Rich Hill's name didn't come up. So, uh, he, he would have been on the injured list to start the season, but it looks like now with three and a half months off, uh, he's good to go with the Twins. Have you talked to Rich Hill lately, Cloud and Wiglander? I've had some texts with him, and we did talk uh, uh, three, four weeks ago, uh, face to fa- or on the phone. And uh, Rich is ready to go. Uh, he continued. He, he came home from Fort Myers with the Twins train, sharing the town with the Red Sox, and continued to work uh, with uh, his uh, shoulder expert and his elbow expert. So he's ready to go, and uh, you know it, it works out well for him. Probably works out well, too, for the likes of Aaron Judge and some of the Yankees who were questionable, Aaron Hicks and the like. Uh, so uh, there will be no soft touches, but we won't face Rich, cause at least until uh, postseason, if then. Yeah, there you go. Hey, you, you mentioned the Yankees, and it, it dawns on me that this was uh, coming up on. I mean, we, we would have started talking right about now about Hall of Fame inductions. I mean, that would have been this summer, and Derek Jeter – uh, not to mention Ted Simmons, Larry Walker, and, and of course, let's not forget the late Nick Capardo. Uh, all were to have gone in. So uh, I know that's going to be delayed. We'll, you know, we'll see them in class of 2021 instead of 2020. But that, that's just one of those things that just kind of dawned on me that we're just, you know, all-star games, another one. We're just going to miss some big baseball things this summer. Yes, indeed. Uh, you know, you feel bad about the Hall of Fame. I actually was thinking about going up there. They just opened last Friday. And uh, John Szczepanowski, former Red Sox media relations uh, assistant, who's uh, 
the head PR guy at the Cooperstown says they're getting about 150 to 315 people a day since Friday. So that's a good sign that people are coming back uh, to the Hall of Fame. I think uh, all those tournaments up there have been canceled, as most tournaments have. But, uh, you know, it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a different summer without the All-Star Game, certainly. That was always something you look forward to. Uh, sometimes for the three or four days off, and other times because uh, of personal interest involved in uh, people you know in the game, or, of course, in 99 when the Red Sox hosted the game. But, uh, again, it's it's all uh, part of what we've gone through, and to have baseball back in any form is wonderful. All right, last one for you. In honor of your, I mentioned it's your 38th year with the Red Sox, but it is your 40th year in baseball. So I want to have some fun with you here for just a moment. I want you to, to do me a favor. Pick a number between 1 and 40, and I'll tell you why in a second. Okay, uh, let's see. Uh, what number did Dawback wear? <laughs> 23. And, or, and, All right, <laughs> Uh, yeah, there you go. Okay, so this is this is what I'm going to do. I, I'm going to your 23rd season, okay, which would have been 2005. And now I'm going to pick alphabetically the 23rd player that comes up. And I want you to tell me what you remember about this guy. You ready? It Red is, Sox drum roll. Yeah, yeah, Red Sox. This is on the 85 Red Sox. I'm picking the 23rd guy in the roster since you picked Number 23 for your 23rd year. Uh, the, the 23rd player alphabetically is Dave McCarty. So go. Tell me what you remember about Dave McCarty. Dave McCarty, Stanford uh, product, batted right and threw left and uh, was actually part of the uh, 04 World Championship Club. He actually pitched opening day, the home opener of 2004. It was sort of embarrassing for the Red Sox that they – had to go to a position player in the home opener, which they lost in a blowout. And as a result, my good friend Brian Dahlbach was farmed out to Pawtucket because they had to bring up an extra pitcher the next day. But uh, Dave's a very classy guy, very bright guy. Um, his wife is a lawyer. In fact, uh, was a student of a uh, longtime Red Sox fan and a longtime baseball arbiter, Bill Gould at Stanford Law, and uh, I believe David uh, has been in uh, a business out there, uh, maybe renovating homes out in the Bay Area, but uh, he was a great guy. It was great to uh, think about him again. This is exactly why I wanted you on. You know, we could do a podcast doing just that game we just played and, and probably sell a million copies, so to speak. And by the way, good for you for not taking a guy like Matt Parrishow, or uh, Blaine Neal. Yeah. I'm looking at the rest of the roster here because I don't know if you could have done a deep dive on on those guys or not. Alejandro Machado was on that team. Adam Stern was on that team. But good job. You got Adam the party. And that was perfect. Adam Stern, a Canadian left-hand hitter, later was a scout for the Red Sox. <laughs> See, this is why everybody loves Joe C. This is fantastic stuff. Joe, I, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us. I, and I know speaking for every Red Sox fan, just so happy that not only that you're back and, and everybody else. I mean, that, that I didn't even get into uh, congratulating Will Fleming. He'll be doing a lot of the games with you. Hopefully we'll hear from Sean McDonough. We'll hear from Lou 
Uh, it's going to be a great broadcast again, but just so great to hear your voice and great to catch up with you. Thank you, my friend, and please stay safe and, and give our best to Jan, too. Uh, thank you very much, Josh. We had a lot of fun last year, uh, and our best to your uh, lovely bride, Stacy. Uh, we think of those trips to London and uh, the Kew Gardens and all the other great uh, activities we had throughout the season last year. Uh, we had a blast with you guys, too. Thanks, Joe. All right, that'll pretty much wrap things up here for Episode 261 on Red Sox Beat. Many, many thanks to Joe Castiglione. Thanks to you guys for hanging in what's been a very weird last few episodes. In fact, probably the last 13 episodes. Not just weird, but sad. Here we are, ready to get going again. I'm looking forward to it. I sure hope you are as well. This is Josh Lewin. Thanks so much for tuning in. It's Red Sox Beat from CLNS.